0: To the trumpets to the judgments I mean to the not to the judgments to the trumpets to the vials It all represents the judgment of god being unleashed on earth There are some people out there that will take the book of revelation and this is I had someone ask me this a while back They're like there's a lot of symbolism So is this really what's going to happen in the future is it just symbolism for things There are some people that believe the book of revelation Was describing events that happened in their day around 70 ad when jerusalem was destroyed you remember in Matthew 24, Jesus said that not one rock, not one stone was going to be left of the temple. And Nero literally leveled the temple and destroyed it. And there are those people out there that really think that Revelation is the end of time. And I don't know where people get those ideas from, but it, like anything else, people get a lot of ideas about a lot of things. If that were to be the case, the book of Revelation would need to have been written before 70 AD. And say, well, when was Revelation written? I wasn't there on the island of Patmos with John. But we'll take it from uh, Arrhenius. He lived in the 2nd century, and he wrote a, a, a writing about against heresies. And he said that, and this was way back when, he said that John, the author of Re- Re- Revelation, received it in their own time towards the end of Domitian's reign and Domitian finished his reign in 96 many believe that Revelation was written between 90 and 96 somewhere in that time and that would put John he was a pretty old guy by that time and, uh, but in all reality I do sincerely believe that everything we see in the book of Revelation is talking about the end once you get past chapter number 4 the things Because the things that are were written to those churches then, right? And then the things which shall be hereafter was written after that time. Now when we are to look at the seals, the trumpets, the vials, and they're all in the number sevens. Isn't that interesting? It's all the number seven. And so is there something, What anybody, any significance to the number seven? Matthew, aren't you getting excited next year to be seven? Weren't you... And then I told everyone that David and Matthew were arguing about the better number. And Matthew said he's going to be seven, and that's God's number. It's a good number to turn. And David said, well, I'm going to be double digits. And so they were trying to decide between the two what was better. And so when we think of number, we think of the number of completion. We think about God rested on the seventh day. The number of man is the number six. And so as we look here, what God is doing Everything is culminating And coming to an end We look at chapter number 8 We look at verse number 1 Chapter 8 verse number 1 We're going to read the whole chapter I will read then you've done all week long But you'll be okay it's only 13 verses for this chapter It says When he opened the seventh seal There was silence in heaven About the space of half an hour Now this is interesting Silence in heaven Do you realize that since... We'll go back to the book of Isaiah's day. The book of Isaiah. Isaiah saw the Lord high and lifted up. And his train filled the temple. And the beasts are crying out around the throne of God. Holy, holy, holy. 3,000 years ago. When we get again in the book of Revelation. We see the fact that in heaven... They're still crying out, holy, holy, holy. We see that we will be worshiping and singing to the Lord and praising Him for who He is. And then we see right here, I don't know if there's ever been another time, ever in history, that's gone silent in heaven. About the space of a half hour right there. And verse 2 says, And I saw the seven angels which stood before God And to them were given seven trumpets. And another angel came and stood at the altar having a golden censer. And there was given unto him much incense that it should be offered with the prayers of all... Now, look at this. This is not the prayers of the saints, this one, is it? Look real close at what it says. It's important that when you read the Bible, you look at all the words. So look at what it says. There was given unto him much incense that it should be offered with the prayers of the saints. So this is something different than all the prayers of the saints, right? That's what it says. Upon the golden altar which is before the throne and the smoke of the incense which came with the prayers of the saints ascended up before God out of the angel's hand. Um, The live stream back there it's it's just showing slides it's not showing the actual video someone just texted me that so that could be changed back there that would be good. Do you know how to change that Skylar? If she doesn't, Joe will show you. Joe's been trying to get out. I don't know. Joe's trying to get out of running the soundboard back there. And so Skylar is doing a good job back there, though. I will say that. She was even a little early on some of those things tonight. So Skylar, not too bad. And so Sunday morning, it's hard for you to wake up. But by Wednesday night, you're awake good back there. So that's a good thing. So verse number 5, hopefully that fixed it there for you, Mark. It says in verse 5, An angel took the censer and filled it with the fire on the altar and cast it in the earth. And there were voices and thunderings and lightning and an earthquake. And the seven angels which had the seven trumpets prepared themselves to sound. The first angel sounded, and there followed hail and fire mingled with blood, and they were cast upon the earth. And the third part of the trees was burned up, and all green grass was burned up. Global warming. And the second angel sounded, and as it were, a great mountain burning with fire was cast into the sea. And the third part of the sea became blood. And the third part of the creatures which were in the sea and had life died. And the third part of the ships were destroyed. Imagine what that's going to do for commerce and things of that. Verse 10 says, And the third angel sounded, and there fell a great star from heaven, burning as it were a lamp. And it fell upon the third part of the rivers and upon the fountains of waters. And the name of the star is called Wormwood and the third part of the waters became wormwood, and many men died of the waters because they were made bitter. And the fourth angel sounded, and the third part of the sun was smitten, and the third part of the moon, and the third part of the stars, so the third part of them was darkened, and the day shone not for a third part of it, and the night likewise. And I beheld and heard an angel flying through the midst of heaven, saying with a loud voice, Woe, woe, Woe to the inhabitants of the earth by reason of the other voices of the trumpet of the three angels which are yet to sound. Father, I pray you'd bless the next few minutes that we have tonight. As we look at this passage of Scripture, I pray that you'd help us and guide us. And I pray that we would see some things from your word tonight. Help us, I pray. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You'll notice that as we jump into Revelation chapter number 8, The seventh seal introduces us to a new set of judgments. We go from the seal judgments, we go to the trumpet judgments. Now when you think about the trumpets, they were used for several things in the Bible, weren't they? We'd go to the Old Testament and look that in the Old Testament, trumpets were used to announce a war coming. And they would blow the trumpets. When the camp was going to move, they would blow the trumpets so people would know. When there was a feast, they would blow the trumpets. Um, remember when Jericho, when they blew, right? They blew them out. And so a trumpet was a symbol in the Bible of power and of authority. And you'll notice that this is what takes place here. Now, I put there in your notes so you have it for later on. You see how the recip- we see what happens here. You have the trumpet judgments and you have the vials, they're different judgments coming. But you'll see that literally they affect the same things. So like the first trumpet affects the earth. and Well, the first couple anyways. But um, you see in Revelation 16 it affects the same thing. Then you have the sea, you have the rivers, you have all these different things that are mentioned. You'll see how basically what you could say is this, that the trumpet judgments, each one gets a little bit worse. Go from the seal judgments to the trumpets to the vials, the vials, the wrath of God is literally being poured out on earth and the inhabitants of earth, which I'll explain to you in a little bit tonight. And so as we look here, you've got to understand, probably people say, well, when, when are these things displayed? And that's an interesting thought. When are these things displayed? So we had already a bunch of seals that we looked at. And we look at the tribulation time, it is broken up into a seven-year period. You'll notice that after, there in verse 13 at the end, you hear the first woe mentioned. There are more woes to come, and we'll mention those later. As I read it, and many people have many different opinions, many different thoughts, and that's one of the reasons why, when it comes to the book of Revelation, I wasn't sure I ever wanted to do a full series on the book of Revelation. Because there are some things that, like, this is my opinion here, I'm giving you tonight. As we look at the four trumpets that we see here, I believe all of this takes place in the first half of the tribulation. And then you have the last three trumpets, and you have the seven vials that I believe make up the wrath of God that are mentioned at the end of the tribulation time. And you might feel differently about that, but you're not up here preaching tonight, so that's okay. Because what's going to happen is you'll see and you have it in your notes there, Revelation 14.10. talks about the fact the same shall drink of the wine of the wrath of God, which is poured out without mixture into the cup of his indignation. And he shall be tormented with fire and brimstone in the presence of the holy angels and the presence of the Lamb. And chapter 15, verse 7 says, And one of the four beasts gave unto the seven angels seven golden vials full of the wrath of God, who liveth forever and ever. And you might say, well, you could split it up. The first, all seven trumpets are the first half. If you want to say that, I'm fine with you saying that as well. But I do believe the vials for sure are about the wrath of God. Now, this is what you got to understand tonight before I get deeper into this. There are people that think that God's people are going to endure a lot of this. They literally think that. But I want you to understand something. When Jesus died on the cross 2,000 years ago, the wrath of God was poured out on Jesus Christ. Just as we see in the end, the wrath of God's going to be poured out on this earth. The wrath of God was poured on Jesus Christ. So when you come by faith to Jesus Christ, your payment's already been paid. You will not be a part of God's wrath being unleashed on the earth because Jesus took your penalty and the wrath of God was already unleashed on Jesus. Have you thought about that? We look at this passage and, we, and we're, as we go further in Revelation, we're going to realize what the wrath of God, what it looks like on earth. You ever think about what Jesus went through on that cross so that you and I wouldn't have to have part of that? He went through hell so that we could live. And we can't even pray to him every day. And we can't read our Bible every day. We can't go to church multiple times in a week. It's really a sad statement when we start looking at it that way. As we look here tonight and we dive in, we're just going to give a simple little outline tonight. The first thing we see, number one, is the preparation in heaven. the preparation in heaven. You'll notice, first of all, as I mentioned already, letter A, the fact that there's silence. I don't think before this time there's been silence in heaven. Literally, if we could get to the throne room of heaven tonight, you would have those beasts flying around. Holy, holy, holy. They cry it out day and night. They rest not. But for a time span, about a half an hour, we see the fact that literally, and go look back at chapter 7 right before this. It talks about, that the, um, if you look at verse um, 10 through 12 there, it says, And they cried with a loud voice, saying, Salvation to our God, which sitteth on the throne and to the Lamb. And all the angels stood round about the throne and about the elders and the beasts fell down before the throne on their faces and worshiped God, saying, Amen, blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be unto our God forever and ever. Amen. We're going to be just praising away. Then all of a sudden, it goes silent. There's silence. Why? Because God's judgment is getting unleashed. Not only do we see letter A, the silence, but letter B, we see the prayer. As I mentioned in the past, remember the sanctuary here on earth, the tabernacle? It was a picture of what's already in heaven. There's an altar in heaven. We've mentioned this already. And the altar of incense literally symbolizes, it's symbolic of prayer. And we mention in chapter number 5 the fact that the prayers of all the saints were there before God. But as I mentioned to you a minute ago, we see here that this is some other prayer. So as when we think about this, what prayer is this? And a uh, lot of different opinions out there. A lot of different opinions. I like this opinion. I said opinion. Make sure you understand that. So if you leave here tonight and say, Pastor said it, it's Bible. I said it's opinion. There's a difference between opinion and Bible. What are we supposed to pray for? Hey, thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. Aren't we supposed to be praying that? Well, what has to happen for his kingdom to come and his will to be done? judgment must come I sincerely believe that the prayers that this is talking about is the prayers of praying for God's kingdom to come and God's will to be done and maybe you think about think about those um, tribulation saints that we looked at a couple weeks ago where they're asking the Lord where is you know when are you going to when are you going to judge this world when's that day going to come I think that could all be culminated right here And as we think about this, we see the fact in verse number 6, it says, And the seven angels, which had the seven trumpets, prepared themselves to sound. Literally, at this moment, the angels are ready to act. As we look at this, we see the preparation in heaven. And now we see things start to unveil. Number two, we see the desolation on the earth. From verse 7, through verse number 11. You'll notice that it's kind of interesting that these judgments, these trumpet judgments, remember back in Egypt, back in the days of Pharaoh, the ten plagues? You know there's a lot of similarities between these judgments and the plagues that happen in the book of Exodus. Did you realize that? I don't know if you realize that, but there are a lot. And so you'll look with me as we look here tonight, look at verse number 7. It says, And the first angel sounded, and there followed hail and fire mingled with blood. And they were cast upon the earth, and the third part of the trees was burnt up, and all green grass was burned up. I hope the people didn't spend a lot of money watering their grass. It says all green grass. Do you see that there? That's what the Bible says. This is not someone adding to it. It says all green grass. Well, take your Bibles with me back to Exodus chapter number 9 for a minute. <clears throat> take your Bibles with me back to Exodus chapter 9. Because the first judgment really parallels well with the seventh plague. The seventh plague we find in Exodus chapter number 9, and look down at verse number 18 with me. Exodus chapter 9. Look down at verse 18. It says behold tomorrow about this time I will cause it to rain a very grievous hail such as not been in Egypt since the foundation thereof even until now send therefore now and gather thy cattle and all that thou hast in the field for upon every man and beast which shall be found in the field shall not be brought home the hail that shall come down upon them they shall die He that feared the word of the Lord among the servants of Pharaoh made his servants and his cattle flee into the houses. And he that regarded not the word of the Lord left his servants and his cattle in the field. And the Lord said unto Moses, Stretch forth thine hand toward heaven, that there may be hail in all the land of Egypt upon man and upon beast and upon every herb of the field and throughout the land of Egypt. And Moses stretched forth his rod toward heaven, and the Lord sent thunder... And hail, and the fire ran along upon the ground, and the Lord rained hail upon the land of Egypt. So there was hail and fire mingled with the hail, very grievous, such as there was none like it in all the land of Egypt since it became a nation. And the hail of Egypt, all that was in the field, both man and beast, and the hail smote upon the herb of the field. And break every tree of the field. Only in the land of Goshen, where the children of Israel were, there was no hail. Isn't that interesting? Do you see how God's people were protected from the judgment of God on Egypt? And isn't it interesting that as we read here in the book of Revelation, and we see this first trumpet, you say, well, what would be the similarities? Do you realize Egypt in the Bible represents the world, right? And the world's system. And so, you got to understand something. Literally, you can see that what God, God's judgment on Egypt, you can see it in a larger scale during the tribulation time. And so, the Bible tells us with this first judgment that literally this hail will take one-third of the trees, the green grass will be destroyed, and that's all part of it. And it's the third part. And um, some believe that It's interesting, there are a lot of thoughts out there about the book of Revelation. And that's why you've got to be very careful who you read and what you listen to and all of that. But some believe that the third is only the area that the Antichrist rules, his main area, the reviving of the Roman Empire. And that's the third that gets knocked out. I don't know where I see proof of all that, but that's what some people say. And they're smarter than me, or they think they're smarter than me. Because I don't think I'm pretty smart, but they seem to be pretty smart. But what we see is, we see first of all the fact that literally this hail. Imagine looking up like at um, Mount Baldy up there. And think of one third of the trees being gone. All the green grass gone. God's judgment, the first trumpet has sounded. So not only do we see in the first trumpet, do we see that just like the seventh plague in Egypt, we see that hail and that fire in it. But then the second trumpet, we see, affects the sea. Look at what it says in our text. Look back at our text in Revelation chapter number 8. And look with me at verse number 8. It says, And the second angel sounded, and as it were, a great mountain burning with fire was cast into the sea, and a third part of the sea became blood. Now what happens is, we see the fact that because this happens, look at verse 9. And a third part of the creatures which were in the sea and had life died. And a third part of the ships were destroyed. And so you see that this thing, as we look here, this great, so probably, you know, maybe a star falling, a meteorite, what exactly it is. It's something, right? It says, as it were, a great mountain burning with fire is cast into the sea. And it's amazing, the third of the sea becomes as blood. Does that sound similar to anything in Exodus? And the plague, the water turned to blood. And think about this, when the waters get turned to blood, can animals that, or, or whatever, fish and things that are in the water, can they survive that? No, they die. The smell of it and the things that take place. You think about what the Bible tells us in Exodus 7, verse 19 to 21. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying to Aaron, take thy rod and stretch out thine hand. "...upon the waters of Egypt, upon the streams, upon the rivers, and upon the ponds, and upon all the pools of water, that they may become blood. And that there may be blood throughout all the land of Egypt, both in the vessels of wood and the vessels of stone. And Moses and Aaron did so as the Lord commanded, and he lifted up his rod and smote the waters that were in the river, in the sight of Pharaoh and in the sight of his servants, and all the waters that were in the river were turned to blood." And the fish that were in the river died, and the river stank, and the Egyptians couldn't drink of the water of the river. And there was blood throughout all the land of Egypt. You notice as we look here, literally, we talk about symbolisms. It says like a great mountain. It refers to the size of this thing that falls into the water. That symbolism, again, I think you can see that there. And uh, some people think that as it says in our text, that it fell into the sea. Some think that's talking about the great sea, which would be the over there. What is the name of that sea? My mind just went blank on me. The the Mediterranean, right? The Mediterranean's right there. They would be called the great sea. Is it just referring to that? Is it referring to all the waters? And exactly, I would say it's referring to all the waters is what I see here. But we see the first trumpet sounds, hail and fire. Second trumpet sounds, this thing falls the size of a mountain falls into the water on fire, and literally a third of all the water becomes blood. Can you imagine that? Think about going up to Big Bear Lake, Mona, going up to Big Bear Lake, and it's no longer water, it's blood. Go to the ocean to watch the sunset, and the waves are red. I know some people like that, you know, those, those luminescence, the blue waves, when those come, that's pretty cool to see. I'm not really eager to I wouldn't want to see red waves. It doesn't sound like a whole lot of fun to see that. But we see the fact that some second trumpet affects the seas and turns them into blood. And then you'll see also the third trumpet. Look what it says there. The third angel sounded, and there fell a great star from heaven. And it fell into a third part of the rivers and upon the fountains of water. So not only does it affect the seas and things, but now this third trumpet affects. And think about water is important, isn't it? Is water important? Water is very important. And so the fact that this is happening, and you think about the rivers and the fountains of water, that's where a lot of the sources of water come from that people would drink, right? You can't drink bitter water, can you? No, you can't. And look at what it says as we look here. It says there, it says, and it fell to the third part of the rivers and upon the fountains of the waters. Verse 11 says, and the name of the star is called Wormwood. And the third part of the waters became Wormwood, and many men died of the waters because they were made bitter. And uh, this star mentioned here, do you know no one has named a star Wormwood yet? Do you know that? But do you know that God's the one who's named all the stars and knows them all and knows their name? So I would trust when God says there's a star named Wormwood, That there's going to be a star that falls at some point. You think about what the Bible talks about in Job chapter 9, verse 9 and 10. And it tells us, Which made Acturus, Orion, and Pleiades, and the chambers of the soul, which doth great things past find out, yea, and wonders without number. It is only God. Think about how amazing God is. Have you ever looked up at the sky at night? And I know it's kind of hard sometimes out here with all the smog. But you go out to the desert or you go up to the mountains, And you see all the stars and to think that God's named each of them and knows each of them by name. That he knows the very number of hairs on your head. And I know for Christian it's pretty easy to see. There's not many hairs there. But then others in the room, there's a lot of hairs there and God knows the number of hairs on your head. He knows the number of sand on the seashore. I don't know why he'd want to know that, but he does. He's an amazing God. And so when it says that this star is going to do this, it's going to happen. And, you know, even in Jeremiah, he prophesied, in Jeremiah chapter number (coughs) 9, he prophesied in verse 14 and 15, But have walked after the imaginations of their own hearts, and after Balaam, which their fathers taught them. Therefore, thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Behold, I will feed them, even this people with wormwood and give them water of gull to drink. And the Bible even tells us in the book of Ezekiel, and you've got to tie some of these things in Ezekiel and Jeremiah, and if this is going past you, just let it go past you and you'll be all right. But Ezekiel 47, verse 6 through 9, we see that this kind of, I believe that this kind of continues on till the establishing of the millennial kingdom. It says, And he said unto me, Son of man, Hast thou seen this? Then he brought me and caused me to return to the brink of the river. Now when I had returned, behold, at the bank of the river there were many trees on one side and on the other. Then he said unto me, go to the next slide there, these waters issue out towards the east country and go down into the desert and go into the sea, which being brought forth into the sea, the waters shall be healed. And it shall come to pass that everything that liveth Which moveth, whithersoever the river shall come, shall live, and there shall be a very great multitude of fish because these waters shall come hither, for they shall be healed, and everything shall live whether the river cometh. And that's, I believe, referring to the millennial kingdom. Because what's going to happen is there's going to be a lot of death that takes place because of all these judgments. But do you realize that Jesus is coming to rule and reign still? And I know there are those out there that don't believe in an actual millennial reign of Christ. And um, I don't get why people don't believe that one. some people don't believe that either. But you see that it's prophesied that these waters will be healed. That's what I'm trying to get you to see right here. And so as we look at this and we think about these things, it's crazy to see what's taking place and the judgment that's coming. First trumpet has sounded, second trumpet sounded the third trumpet has sounded. Look at verse number 12. We see it says, And the fourth angel sounded, and the third part of the sun was smitten, and a third part of the moon, and a third part of the stars. So as the third part of them was darkened, so the day shone not for a third part of it. Well, you think about if a third of the sun is gone, it's probably going to get dark quicker. Right? It's not going to be as bright. The moon won't be as bright, and the moon's just to reflect. It gets it light from the sun, right? So if the sun is darkened, the moon's going to be even darker, and a third of it's gone. Third of the stars, as we see here, and literally, as we look at this, we you literally see one third of the lights of heaven are blackened. And there's a prophecy that the Lord made Himself. In Luke 21, verse 25 through 28, that's being fulfilled here, it says, And there shall be signs in the sun, and in the moon, and in the stars, and upon the earth, distress of nations with perplexity, the sea and the waves roaring, men's hearts failing them for fear, and for looking after those things which are come on the earth. For the powers of heaven shall be shaken, and then shall they see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with great power and glory. And when these things begin to come to pass, then look up and lift up your heads, for your redemption draweth nigh. The prophecy from there. The Bible also mentions in Amos chapter number 8, verse number 9: It shall come to pass in that day, saith the Lord, that I will cause the sun to go down at noon, and will darken the earth in a clear day. It's interesting to note, isn't it, that what day were the sun, moon, and stars created? What day was it? The fourth day. When are they darkened? On the fourth trumpet. Was that just, probably just by accident, right? There was no, no meaning behind that. It just so happened to be that way. But, anyways, fourth trumpet, you see these things happen and see it before our eyes. The skies darken. <clears throat> And then lastly tonight, we don't get through all of the trumpets tonight, but we see an angel in verse number 13. We see number four. We see the proclamation from the angel. And look at what it says there. Look at verse 13 again. And I beheld and heard an angel flying through the midst of heaven saying with a loud voice, Woe, woe, woe to the inhabitants of the earth by reason of the other voices of the trumpet of the three angels which are yet to sound. This angel literally is a messenger of God, giving warning to the world that the judgments coming are even worse than what they've already experienced. And wouldn't you think that by this time people would have turned to the Lord? They don't turn to God. They don't turn to Him ever. You'll notice that you see that phrase mentioned there, the inhabitants of earth. Literally, it's mentioned several times in the book of Revelation. And I put those in your notes there. You look at verse of Revelation chapter number 3. In Revelation 3 and verse number 10, it says, Because thou hast kept the word of my patience, I also will keep thee from the hour of temptation, which shall come upon all the world, to try them that dwell upon the earth. That phrase there, dwell upon the earth, is the same phrase that is used in chapter number 8 for those um, inhabitants of the earth. And uh, you could look at chapter 6 and verse number 10. You see the fact that literally the ones that are dwelling on earth were the ones that were responsible for their blood being shed. Now, when you look at that, do you think that it's literally referring to those peop- to people that live on earth or those that live on For the earth. And you can say those that live for the earth. Because you've got to understand something. Those that live for the earth have rejected God. And who God is. And that's who God's judgment is going to be unleashed on. Because those who have, those who are followers of the Lord, and are followers and therefore Jesus, it won't be the same. You realize that these, and you could look at the rest of your notes there, But literally, those that dwell upon the earth are going to rejoice when the two witnesses are killed. They're going to be rejoicing when the two witnesses die. Say, who are the two witnesses? We're only on chapter 8. Wait till chapter 11 before I give you my opinion. Just I'll give you the one hint. It's a point unto man once to die, but after this, the judgment. And some people think it was the two that were on the Mount of Transfiguration. I tend to think it's the two that haven't died yet. They got to die. And there's one in Genesis chapter number 5. You can read about them there. Then there's another one that one of our guest speakers spoke about just last week. And that would be my opinion. If you don't know what I'm talking about, wait till chapter 11 and I'll explain it a little bit more for you. But in all reality, what it comes down to is this. There are going to be those that reject Christ. And those that reject him are going to suffer the judgment of God. And this world is going to suffer the judgment of God. But for us, Jesus already took your punishment. He already paid your judgment. There are a lot of people that are going to spend a lot of time trying to pay for their own judgment when Jesus Christ already paid it hey, church, when's the last time you told someone about the Lord? I don't know about you, but the more I hear about coming judgment, the more I want to tell someone so they don't have to face that judgment. Doesn't that make you want to do that? I'd hope it would. Now some of us are like, no, it makes me want to study it more and more. Yeah, and some people get so wrapped up in studying the book of Revelation, and they're never going to understand all of it. You're never going to. You're never going to get every little bit of it. And you can study, study, study. And I'm for studying. I believe studying is a good thing. But if all you do is study and never warn someone about hell, about God's judgment, what's the point? My reason for doing this series is not so you have a great understanding of the end times. So you might go out of here and you tell someone about Jesus so they don't have to go to hell. That's my point behind it. Grab a gospel track and tell someone about the Lord this week. Let them know how wonderful he is. Let them know what he's done in your life. Because I mentioned it last night at the rescue mission when I was there. said, so you ever heard that saying, friends don't let friends drive drunk, right? Have you heard that saying? That's, that's, a, that's a good saying, but, you know, a real friend isn't going to give someone the opportunity to get drunk. But anyways, we'll just leave that one there. But I'll put it this way. Real friends don't let their friends die and go to hell without a warning. You can't make someone get saved, but you can sure warn somebody. Tell someone this week about Jesus. And if you haven't, do it. Because judgments, could you believe this stuff's real? Do you believe the book of Revelation's real? Then there are going to be a lot of people, your neighbors, friends, co workers, that are headed for judgment. At least warn them. Father, we thank you for the time that we've had this evening. <coughs> we thank you.